Uh, hello, 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 come in, come in, get that jacket off you. Oh, jeez, you're covered in snow. Is, is that suede? Oh, God. No, that'll be ruined. That's a shame. Oh, you must be freezing in that jumper. Do, do you know what? You need a Studio Mala hoodie, uh, which is available now in the Studio Mala shop and uh, all the... Profits from that will go right back into the studio, into projects, so I'm told. So, you know, you'll be uh, helping out the studio there. Anyway, that's that's just something I thought to say in the moment. Anyway, anyway, welcome to the Studio Mala Christmas Cabin. So, as you know, I've been talking to people throughout the year and they do get edited, those conversations. And so a lot ends up being cut out and sometimes there's things that I think that would be nice to leave in but maybe it's running a little long or maybe it's a little off topic and I thought well how about compiling those and then putting them together at the end of the year like a little uh, look back a little Christmas gathering it's a little Christmas party and you're going to be hearing from everyone who I spoke to previously. But this is all new, all new stuff. And what better place to start then with my first ever guest, Sean Cunningham. If my little edit elves could just cue that clip up for us. My little edit elves, hello? Hello in there! Okay, they see me. They hear me. They can't hear me. You have to hold down the... Okay, hello, hello, edit elves. That first clip with Sean, cue it up. Let's play it. Let's hear it. Okay. Please, everyone, enjoy. Now, you mentioned reading. You've reminded me. I read a book recently, and in it, uh, the lead of the story, it, it was based on uh, real events in their life. They were playing a saxophone. Oh my goodness! At a at an event, something that you've done. Uh huh. I've you play known. saxophone, and he described a drunken person at the event going up to the band with a bottle of beer and poured their beer into the saxophone oh, during good. the performance. Now, how just how bad a thing is that to do? Because when I was reading it, I was thinking that seems like an awful thing to do. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it, it wouldn't actually do that much damage because I guess a lot of people don't know this, but like the saxophone's covered in holes. Like all of those keys are holes. So it would probably just, you know, drain out the sides as the person was playing. But it would make your saxophone mad smelly. And uh, <laughs> there would be a bit pooled at the bottom that might be hard to, you might forget about and it might stay there for a while. So just blasting the audience with I mean, spit of carling. I recognize by saying it's not that bad. People are just gonna be like, "All right, well, pour away." Um, that reminds me that I was at a party once where I brought the saxophone. It was the, the after party of a, of a of a musical thing I was in when I was like eighteen, and um, I brought the saxophone because uh, I thought it'd be fun, 
and when eventually we were playing music later someone just put an entire giant candle in the bell of the saxophone um right which wasn't an issue it wasn't lit or anything but like it stayed there for so long <laughs> like i packed the saxophone away for ages and like eventually found a large just like someone's candle from their house that they might have spent a good bit on just in my saxophone that is such 18 year old party bands i mean the person who put it in because it was a community musical thing i think was like 50 so <laughs> um but yeah it was that sort you of just thing. remind me of every party where it was like the big gag was uh we we put an apple in the lamp <laughs> they won't they won't find that apple for a while yeah Oh my god. And when they do, oh, Apple doesn't they're, go here. They're gonna be miffed. These lads, oh my god. They're mental. They're crazy. <laughs> it's Apple. like something off television. This is like Animal House. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, candles and saxophones. Um, just stuff in saxophones seems. The saxophone, I think, must be just an attractive instrument to. I guess no other instrument has just a a big hole pointing towards everyone watching you play. Everyone watching that that dips down. Gotta get just gotta get something in there. (laughs) Throwing an orange from the back of the room (laughs) straight in. Actually, there's there's something that I want to raise while I'm here before I go. Sean plays the saxophone, right? He does. So why is not he not doing some smooth outro, intro tunes for them Studio Malibu podcast? I know, right? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I know. He should be doing the jazz bit from All That She Wants, you know, that AC <laughs> bass tune. Just flagged, copyright, flag, flag, flag. <laughs> <laughs> take it down, take it down. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I always want to ask Sean for a bit of saxophone but mm. i don't know why i feel like i know <laughs> yeah he'll think he'll think i'm a pest okay but i I, th- I always i always want that the same for like even my own podcast i think like oh, i wish sean would take out his saxophone I as think- soon as i hear anyone who's on a podcast can play an instrument mm. i feel like saying oh go on <laughs> yeah <Grab it. laughs> absolutely i i i'm i'm a really terrible uh piano accordion player but i love it and uh and i posted do you, like do a, you have it there do you have it right there it's 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 behind me it's not it's electronic though it's not plugged in yeah. oh yeah sorry really sorry um, we should have you play us out yeah us out. i would i would love to I, w- I would love to yeah do a waltz so you can do it at the end yeah sure yeah i'll send it to you <laughs> But yeah, no, because I, I posted on Instagram at one point, like I did a story because I'd never play for people publicly ever. It's a personal thing. I ended up playing the piano accordion because I really wanted to do music as a kid. But my parents wouldn't buy me a drum kit. So the only instrument we had in the house at the time was a piano accordion that my dad had actually received from his father when he was a kid. He brought it all the way from Tehran in Iran, which is where my dad is from. And this accordion had been traveling around with us for so many years and no one had ever bothered playing it. And I heard one song that I loved and it was accordion. So I sat down and I started learning to play it. And then one day my stepdad comes into the room and he says, who, who taught you how to play the accordion? 
And I was like, nobody. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is my instrument. This is, this is, this is my time. <laughs> so um, when, I, when I posted a video of me playing online, uh, Sean reached out to me and he was like, oh, cool. I didn't know you play accordion. I said, oh, do you play accordion? And he was like, no, I play saxophone. I was like, oh yeah, that was it. I was trying to remember what you played. And then as soon as I thought about the Studio Malia podcast, I was like, where is Sean's saxophone solo? Get this in there now. <laughs> I'm, look, I'll say it to him, but you need to say it to him too. We need everyone. We should actually message as many people in Mala as possible to like just blitz him with yeah. get the saxophone out. I, th- I, th- I think every, every animation studio deserves a band the studio mala band you know it's it's, it's true be... there there was a wasn't there a disney band like a oh jazz yeah was it the firehouse group? five i think it was that's it yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah it has to be done well you pitch this to sean see what he says i've already seen you <laughs> was it the two of you playing piano in uh in the... <laughs> I, I can i cannot play anything not even a little i'm i'm very envious of anyone who can play anything even amateur levels i nothing i've got no music ability whatsoever in fact i did music in school and uh i was fine for the like the theory and learning you Mm -hmm. know the notes and you know the one of the songs we had to study is like Bohemian Rhapsody and like go through what like what is each part. You That's know, amazing. That's amazing. Like broken down and all that was fine and really interesting. But part of music class was you had to do some singing. And mm. I was so terrible that when the like group song bit mm-hmm. was happening, I was taken aside as the, they were under the impression that I was, as a joke, trying to ruin it. No, on oh, like come on. that's that's how bad I was. And when you're trying your best, and you're in trouble for like you are, you are so bad at this that you are just you are making fun of music itself. <laughs> <laughs> and you're making everyone around you worse. It was just devastating. <laughs> That's, that, that, is, that is really bad. I thought it was bad because I got kicked out of the choir in school because my, my best friend at the time was messing around and I never, I never got over that. But I mean, this is awful. This is literally them saying, like, are you serious right now? What, what, what are you doing? Oh, that's, oh my God. That's I, I mean, I should have thrown it right back at them. It's like, well, seems like you've, Failed to teach me. <laughs> yeah. So what were you doing? My incompetence is a result of your incompetence. <laughs> and while we're on that, you can get the maths teacher in here because I'd have a like to have a word with her as well. Because oh, <laughs> my yeah, math no, skills. <laughs> um, I was I was the same. I failed maths miserably in school, and then when I was twenty three, I finished school and I graduated from uni. I went back to school and I got my, uh, you know, leaving cert equivalent GCSE of uh, math just because I couldn't get a job in Waterstones and I really wanted to work in a bookshop so I was like Mm. I'm gonna get my C and I got my C at the age of 23 sat in a room a bunch of kids and I redid my math paper and so I feel you I feel you on that fair play in fact whenever I imagine you know like oh what would you do 
if you could do it all again. <laughs> yeah. And I'm supposed to be thinking about how I would make the right decisions, mm -hmm. like, you know, mm -hmm. make better connections with people, practice on this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. But I really do think a lot about being good in school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, I don't know if I would actually stick to it if I went back. <laughs> Why? Were you bad <laughs> in too... school? What? what? Uh, I was really good at English. Mm -hmm. And English and art, I was good at, and pretty much everything else, not so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good job. It's a good job. Two of those things are what you're doing now. Like it was, uh, it was clear from the start that <laughs> there was a certain trajectory that I was going to be sticking to. But uh, yeah. That's good. I think uh, that, uh, that's the thing is when you're not good at math and other stuff like that, it's like, well, what are my options? And it just so happens, well, you don't really, I guess you don't usually find people who are so good at art, but they hate it and they don't want to draw. You know, mm. you usually <laughs> excel at the stuff that you love doing. So I guess that's kind of why we are in the jobs and doing what we're doing now. Because we do, we love it. I think my saving grace was that even though I wasn't a great student, there was a lot of people around me who were much worse. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah. So I was rarely singled out as like, there's a bad student. So people would say, yeah, there's a bad student, but there's 10 worse ones <laughs> sitting around them. So. <laughs> that's, that's a good consolation. That's a good consolation. It was, it was a bad school. Yeah. <laughs> but so it goes. It turned out all right, you know. I'm hosting a podcast. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, so uh, who's it's having like, the where, last are they, where are they now? Where are they now? <laughs> the union, the school reunion, and everyone's like, "Damn, I wish I was hosting a podcast." Yeah, I'm running around with the microphone interviewing. So, are you on a podcast? And turns out everyone's on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's on a podcast these days. <laughs> I have like a book from years ago that's like the answers book like you flick the page it's one of those things that you don't need but you flick a page and it gives you the answer to a question like uh -huh. you ask it a question i should find I that the whole book was just yes or no <laughs> yeah <laughs> no nothing there, it's else. basically yes and no but in a thousand different ways or like <laughs> not an answer at all just a <laughs> random statement just no, you idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, you fool. It's like, why did I buy this? This is, <laughs> this is upsetting me every day. So you would have some sort of internal conflict, some creative conflict, like, should I work on this until midnight tonight? Should I do an all, should I pull an all nighter? And I would open up the answers book and what would be the sort of thing like it would it, give me? It could say take a walk <laughs> or it could say um take a walk pal <laughs> ask a friend it, it kind of it almost leads you somewhere else it, so it, you it just, doesn't give you an answer the, the book is fobbing you off like like take a walk or ask someone else <laughs> yeah what do you want from me i'm a book <laughs> i think there is at least there is one yes and one no page so you're really hoping for the one book of, those. of no answers, but otherwise. <laughs>
Did I send you that picture of the Snoopy Donuts? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do it right now because I love this photo. It's on my desktop. <laughs> I'm going to just drop it onto Discord. To show you the Snoopy that I have on my desk. Oh, that's very good. I think this is the only reason I really like Snoopy is because in Japan they just had this absolutely perfect teddy Snoopy <laughs> that feels like a real puppy somehow. And then I just became obsessed with Snoopy. I basically, I saw this image years ago and it was one of the things that's that good. made me go, I, w I really want to go to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> They're so well drawn. Yep. Have they done that? Have they done that individually or do they have a machine? I think they've done that individually. That's incredible. I feel too sad about the idea of eating one. But yeah, Snoopy's great. And um, off the back of how good that photo of the donuts is, I watched some classic Snoopy and was like, Snoopy is so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's great. Just... So if you can bring some of that Snoopy magic back. I would love to. Yeah, did, it's adorable. Did we go into the Snoopy bit of Universal Studios? Briefly, I think, as we were leaving. <laughs> like walking. Oh, it was the safe area. I I should make yes. clear to, yes, yes, the, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> to the listeners at this point that uh, me and Sinead are friends. <laughs> I, know, wow. I know Sinead. And we've been to japan but uh yeah we were there at halloween and uh as night fell the, the whole place flooded with monsters and zombies and killer clowns and there was a a safe route out for people who were like genuinely frightened and it was through and also the small children <laughs> and the small children it was through snoopy <laughs> snoopy land and i was thinking what a what a cruel trick it would be to have like that as a trap <laughs> like you go Come through the, way, children. the tiny children section and that's when they drop the most horrifying <laughs> the goat-headed charlie brown's a charlie brown's a zombie he's doing the dance <laughs> it's like you're free to go kids as long as you can kick this football <laughs> they pulled it away from me didn't even see it coming. I should have known. I should have known. I know the just lore and I just, still didn't see it coming. <laughs> just hundreds of crying children. <laughs> I remember being really frustrated when uh, Into the Spider-Verse came out. I went to see it and I thought that was incredibly good. Mm. And... Uh, a few days later, I was in a pub with some friends. Do you remember? You used to be able to do that back in the day. But uh, I was in the pub with my friends and I told them, oh, that new Spider-Man film is excellent. I really recommend you see it. And I was surrounded by stumped expressions and, and genuinely reacting like the cartoon. Now, I know that everyone at that table has seen, like, more than 15 Marvel films, which is fine, but it's really irritating that 
that Spider-Verse film absolutely wipes the floor with all of those films. And, but and there's like no it, interest, even with me saying to them, no, it's really good. And they're still kind of like arms folded, like couldn't, couldn't be. Could, how, how could it be? It's some, it's some kid thing or whatever. I've no idea what their uh, prejudice yeah, the is, but they're not interested. And even even something like Into the Spider Verse is very approachable. Like it's not like it's alienating. Mm. Um, even though it's very visually experimental, um, you know, it's it's doing a lot of the stuff that Ang Lee was doing on the Incredible Hulk film that he did, um, which was maybe people didn't know how to watch it at that time. You know, it's like the train coming towards the people in the nineteen tens in the theater. <laughs> they're like freaking out. You know, <laughs> only it's like this oh, I remember Hulk audiences guy. running out of screenings of Hulk back in yeah. 2004 <laughs> um, and Ang Lee Ang Lee did a lot of the motion capture for Hulk as well by the way <laughs> which oh. I love this footage of him like just like hitting things <laughs> um, but yeah there's like there's certain things that um, animation so labour intensive but then a lot has happened in the last 15 to 20 years really um, and it's mostly due to how how anime has permeated Western kind of culture. Because um, in Japan, obviously, they're, they're known as a consumer of animated films. And they make animated films for, like, all ages and for all, like, sensibilities. Um, they have a huge, like, industry over there. Um, even if the money doesn't really go to the right people, <laughs> in terms of, you know, who, who ends up uh, lying in their pockets. But um, they have a lot of like very sophisticated, very mature work. That's not just like, like the when you say like adult animation in the states, let's say, um, it's all like fart jokes or sex jokes or whatever. It's just crude stuff. Let's say it's, 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 it's the baseline. Sausage Party was a trailblazing film. Yeah, yeah. There's problems with the Sausage Party as well, like labor wise too. But that's another <laughs> that's another conversation. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, like. The thing about shows like that is that that's the only way. Um, I think like I think in animation, people are so ashamed of it being an animated film in the West that they find it hard to do something genuine. So they have to like shield themselves with um, either sarcasm or crudeness or you know whatever it might be. Um, while in the um, in 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 like Japanese production, Korean productions. Um, they're quite earnest with their work and quite mm. direct, and and that's that's again because of the, the graphical tradition that they're building on. So they have like the mangas, which are just literature over there. You know, they're not like comic books; they're literature. You know, um, in terms of they they're ta- they're ta- tackling like very very uh, sophisticated, uh, cultural and personal uh, stories, and um, also there's ones about like women that are battleships but that's <laughs> like there's um there's an element of that that has permeated into general culture in 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 japan um and and like in, in china and um and korea as well um via their own kind of domestic production um that people are willing to watch it like something like your name coming out and people going mad for that do you know over here even um, mm. or like you mentioned in one of the previous podcasts about Promare coming out and it just being like 
insane <laughs> in terms of seeing the world just be completely like overrun like there's there's dozens of us um, <laughs> but like there there's a certain amount that the western and by western i mean mostly north american um animation market is very adolescent in its framing and and how it markets animation um which tends to dumb things down a lot um or they don't know what to do with films that are a bit more sophisticated. I was impressed at all those Transformers at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> are we are we talking about the 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 what happened? We'll we'll, we'll say we'll I say got a message. <laughs> so. I got a message in the middle of in the middle of a weekday. <laughs> By a certain a certain person, a certain animator, who just linked me to a tweet where himself and yourself were going to town on some Gundam enthusiasts. <laughs> so someone at the Olympics was rock climbing in front of the unicorn unicorn Gundam so, statue. I'm gonna get in trouble for saying unicorn now instead of transform. So in in front of the unicorn Gundam statue, and the BBC news desk said, "If you think rock climbing's hard, try doing it in front of a transformer." <laughs> and I, I love Gundam, and I saw that and I thought, "Well, that's just funny." Like, <laughs> but you love Transformers more. <laughs> <laughs> but. I just thought it was funny and I thought everyone else was just going to find it funny too like endearing kind of like uh, oh no but I was kind of embarrassed to see so many people being like really annoyed like uh uh hello do your research actually and when they did their follow up tweet which is only like a half an hour later or something where they're like oops like we saw, we saw what we did uh, our bad so who would do better at the Olympics? A Gundam or a Transformer? They're just trying to be fun. And I replied to that with, don't give these nerds an inch. It's a Transformer. <laughs> and I thought that that tweet made it clear that I did know. <laughs> I, like, I know it's wrong, but just say it's a Transformer. Ignore the people who are <laughs> angry. But uh, I, di- oh, I did not no. think that I was opening up a, a miniature portal to hell. <laughs> this is just. Imagine that tweet is just like a bit of a bit of cardboard, and you are absolutely just dousing it in petrol. <laughs> they were lighting it aflame, <laughs> and it didn't help that you kept uh, linking the Transformers Wikipedia <laughs> in many of your replies. Well, I I just <laughs> I I was so floored by the fact that anyone was replying like seriously annoyed so i just had to it's not a laughing matter (laughs) it's not funny at all what i what i liked about linking the uh, wikipedia article was it was specifically for the live action films (laughs) and being like it's called transformers look it up it made five billion (laughs) dollars And uh, still, the, the the most amazing replies were the ones who were saying, I know you're joking, but... But... And still explaining. And I say, if but you, I if still you... know a lot about Gundams, and here it is. <laughs> if you know I'm joking, then surely just, just leave it. 
But no, they still have to they still have to correct right, me get the facts in there. <laughs> I, I, I want to go through it and, and count, you know, the amount of times that a, a Wikipedia was mentioned, <laughs> whether it be the Transformers wiki, the Gundam wiki. Eventually, somebody, uh, instead of just, he linked the wiki and then he actually just screenshotted the wiki and tweeted <laughs> that. And that, that was here, honestly where here, I said, look, this look. is the peak. This is the peak of it right here. A funny thing is, the Twitter algorithm must have somehow decided that the replies I was getting were abusive because I st- <laughs> it stopped showing me replies. I I would have to search for my oh. own name to see what people were saying. What? <laughs> yeah. So like I just I stopped fueling it myself because I knew there was some people who just like a dog with a chew toy like oh, yeah. would not <laughs> back down. It really made my day. That's I'm, I'm glad. The, I'm, the I'm glad some debacle. people got a kick out of it instead of. I sure did. Uh, punching, <laughs> punching the drywall <laughs> in their home. They, the BBC better never tweet again. <laughs> it, it is funny to to look at that tweet that was definitely just fired off by someone. Like it's the sports desk people covering yeah. the Olympics. It's just a tweet. It's not even reporting it's just a bit of social media engagement like rubbish you know there's a big robot in the background of this photo just we're tweeting the photo just say something about the photo and the fact that there was people talking like is this is this what people are paying for is this the kind of reporting and say it's hardly the middle it was an insult to the japanese culture (laughs) and we will not have it I, and don't trust the media. <laughs> I mean, this just this just <laughs> proves the mainstream media have no proves. idea what they're doing. <laughs> so, creatively speaking, what does voice nagging suspicions suggest to you? Oh, probably probably something like you know, you're you're not as good as you think you are, and you need to get better faster. Those kind of suspicions that. I uh, I try to keep keep inside, but sometimes they rise to the surface, especially when you're on projects that you care a lot about. Luckily, whenever I voice them, I have a very good friend nearby me, Michael, Hi. <laughs> to be like, no, 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 don't worry, you're doing great. Oh, your um, your nagging suspicion that I've heard often is like they're only being nice to me because they like me. I'm like, they like you because you're cool. <laughs> Like, in order to get to the biased state in which you perceive them to be in, you've achieved that through who you are. <laughs> and trying to make that logical jump every time. Oh. Yeah, I, w- I would love to be less insecure. Um, but sadly, I- I've yet to find something which is it's going to make me feel that confidence. I think you're the little engine that could that's driven by that insecurity. You're always pushing further down the track. I hope not. Because I'd like to think that one day I'll be more confident and that's not going to have, you know, I think there's, there's a certain fear with some people, not myself, no, of course not, that um, if you don't have that insecurity that you're not going to have the drive and you're mm. going to kind of lose, in air quotes, it. Mm. But I, I definitely think after living many years on this planet, you know, I've, I've taken breaks from animation, I've taken breaks from art and it's always something that I come back to. So 
in actuality, I think that whatever it is, is deep inside each person. And it's not something that's so frivolous to be lost um, easily by doing something like believing in yourself or having a good work-life balance or, you know, not always suspecting that your friends are just being nice to you because they like you. You're so right. <laughs> I hope so. If you got it, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think everyone has this innate, um, innate something that's particular to them. And you see it every time they draw anything or sing anything. It's what makes their creations their creations. Like, I don't, I, I, I think everyone has that fear of whatever the latest thing they, it is that they do. They think this is the one where everyone finds out I'm a fraud. Oh, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, it's it never goes away. That's a sad that's a sad fact, I think. It's that uh it's just not you just have to learn to live with it and ignore it, I think. I think people are afraid of we got a great many things. The constant struggle and escape from disappointing people mm -hmm. is that that feels really real. Like I think that's a big part of why you wouldn't communicate if you're struggling with a task. Is that they you think that they expect you're capable of doing it. But what's really the case is that they hope you can do it, but they don't know fully whether it's even possible to do. Like they just, they, they, ah, I'm going, going off on a tangent here, but... Um, it's a good I, tangent, though. Tangents, I think, welcome. I think it's really important to be able to communicate in a really honest and genuine way with the people that you're working with and the people that are around you and surround you with stuff, or people that are genuine and sincere because if you are struggling good that's okay failing is a part of everything like learning from your mistakes is how you grow and sharing those mistakes with the people around you i think is healthy i think when you share the mistakes with people around you you very quickly realize that everybody feels the same and everybody else is also terrified of yeah, disappointing and failing. Your mistakes aren't going to set you apart, they're going to bring you together. Ah, mm, just enjoying a bit of mulled wine there. I say enjoying, more like enduring for the sake of tradition, you know. Mm, oh no, warming, warming, very good. So. That was the Mala Christmas Bonanza Bucket. I hope you enjoyed hearing from everyone again. The last clip we heard there was uh, more lovely sentiments from Doig and Swift. And they were talking about a, an oblique strategy card that they pulled. I think, even though it's just myself here, maybe I should draw an oblique strategy card. What have I got? <laughs> what wouldn't you do? Well, what wouldn't I do? What wouldn't I do? I suppose there's lots of things I wouldn't do. I wouldn't commit a crime. I just want that out there, you know? In case any narcs are listening. Narcs? What am I talking about? What wouldn't I do? I guess I, I would never sell out. Anyway, Studio Mala hoodies. Very cosy. Hand-stitched. Honestly, do buy a Studio Mala hoodie. Because as I was saying before, that money goes back into the studio. That's a great way to support the studio. Speaking of support, I gotta talk 
to you about how happy I am about the support that the podcast has received. It's amazing to think that it only started this year and already so much support, so many kind words, and that's been very heartwarming. Huge thanks to Neve, Sean, Stephen, Jerry, and everyone else at Mala. Thank you, of course, to everyone who's been a guest on the podcast, people who've been kind enough to give me their time and their patience. And and finally, again, thank you to you listening. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I'm, ra- I'm rambling, I'm rambling. I- I've thanked the listeners several times now. It's, it's the mulled wine, it's the mulled wine, you know. Christmas time, drunk uncle in the corner repeating himself, that's me. So, listen... Bundle up, stay warm, stay cosy, get yourself a little present, and please do join us in the new year. Merry Christmas from all of us at Mala. Good night. Mala hoodie is so cozy. Do I even need this coat anymore? And you tell me all the all the money goes back into the studio? Oh my god, I, I gotta buy two of these. I gotta buy two of these these hoodies. You heard about these hoodies?